on the Sunday before Remembrance Day, we take this moment just to pause and reflect on the impact of war and the impact on those who fought in war. Let's just now take two moments of silence, two minutes of silence as we honor our, uh, our wars. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. Please be seated. Welcome. As we celebrate 116 years in this building, as Carmen United Church. Well, for most of those years, as Carmen United Church. Of course, we recognize as well that the history of Carmen United Church goes back well over 200 years, when the first Methodist missionaries came to this side of the harbor. And so we celebrate that today. We celebrate the gifts of God and the future that God has before us as well. After the service, uh, we have reservations at Motel North, if you wish to join us. Uh, for a bite to eat, and it is pay your own way, um, but we would love if you were comfortable enough to join us for lunch today. Uh, what else is there? Bible study continues uh, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. They meet in the kitchen so they can get a little bit of heat, and, uh, but anyone is welcome. If you have any questions, you can talk to Bev at the back of the church. Church council will next meet on November 15th at 7 o'clock, so make note of that, please. And our light-up service, believe it or not, we're into November now. It doesn't feel like it, but we're in November now. And our light-up service will be at the end of this month, November 27th at 7 p.m. And that will be our only service for that day. Any other announcements today? Yes, Joyce. I was Okay. 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 Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So the readers list is at the side entrance here by the door. If you could feel free to check that to see if you might be reading in the coming weeks. 
I believe it's there till the end of the year, pretty much, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to share? Did somebody have a birthday? Who? A couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, Shirley. <laughs> Let's just... Whose birthday? Betty's? Betty's birthday? Okay, happy birthday, Betty. Yeah. Right, let's just take a moment to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. For over 116 years, the light of Jesus has shone in this community through what we now call Carmen United Church. We celebrate the gifts that God has given us, the history that we have, and the future that is before us as Christ walks with us each and every day. Uh, opening prayers next, I think? Yes, let us pray. As you promise to be with us, Lord Jesus, we welcome you here today. Help us, Lord, to worship you, to listen to your word, and to pray in faith that we might grow in our love for you and for one another. Amen. Our opening hymn is Praise My Soul, the God of Heaven.
Let us pray. Lord, your church is indeed built on a rock. And Lord, we rest upon this rock as our foundation, as our strength, and as our guide. So Lord, as we gather around your word this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Now, this morning I may actually be looking at uh, a bit of an unconventional topic for an anniversary service. That's the problem when you're trying to fit so many weeks of a, of a sermon series before you get to Advent. And we, suppose, and we actually had uh, a bit of help, so to speak, from Fiona, who delayed us by starting this by a few weeks. So we're going to continue to look at healing in the Bible today. And we're using Mark Pearson's book, Christian Healing, as our guide as we go through these weeks. Now, it's not so much that healing stories don't fit in with the work and the history of the church. A few weeks ago, I said healing ministry is actually a very powerful and effective ministry, that it, and it's one of the most effective, most powerful ones a church can offer. It's just that the topic today is not necessarily one you might expect on a celebration of an anniversary for a church. Now, last week I talked about the impact that sin has on our relationship with God and how it impacts our ability to pray and receive healing. It was a look at what we do and how it impacts who we are as children of God. This week we're going to look at the external forces and how they impact us in regard to our relationship with God and with healing. The first thing we're going to look at today is the impact of evil. Now this comes from a very common question, and it's a question I've heard even in recent days. If God is all-loving, if God is all-powerful, if God is all-knowing, then why is there evil in this world? Couldn't God just make it stop? And that's a very good question. Now the Bible tells us God created everything. He created the universe, he created the heavens, he created the, the sun, moon, and stars, he created the land and sea and sky, God created birds and animals and, and, and fish and plants. God created all of it. God created you. God created me. But there's more than that. As part of God's heavenly kingdom, God has an army of angels who are loyal to God and do his work. But not all angels were always so loyal. We, we, know, we hear of Lucifer, who was a rebellious angel and got himself expelled from heaven, along with a few other rebellious angels. And we today know those angels to be devil, Satan, and demons. Jesus describes the devil as this in John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now that's not exactly a glowing review of someone. So we again ask the question, why does God allow evil to exist? God allows the world to exercise free will. That is, we get to do whatever we wish to choose. We do whatever we want. Which we sometimes, or often, will use our free will to do things God would have not chosen us to do. 
So when we get tempted by the so-called father of lies, when the devil slips in and gives us another option, we face a bit of a dilemma. Do we give in to the temptation or do we follow God? Most of the time, we don't think of it in this kind of detail. We simply react in the moment and we choose what we want or choose what is easiest. In other words, we're acting a little bit selfish. We're thinking of ourselves before others or, or before God. We need to understand the devil cannot force us to do anything. He doesn't have that kind of power. God doesn't do it, and the devil certainly cannot. But that devil, he's a sly fox. He knows how to tempt us. Think back to Adam and Eve. The devil did not force them to eat the fruit from the forbidden tree. He simply gave them an option. He kind of said, you know, would it be so bad if you ate the fruit? Adam and Eve made the decision. They chose the selfish path instead of listening to God. This is a problem we still we struggle with today. We face temptation. We all choose other options. As Paul writes in Romans 3.23, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, thankfully, Paul keeps writing. He doesn't end it right there. He goes on to say that God has made it possible for us to return to him. Paul reminds us that God has made a way in which we can be restored and we can receive the fullness of his love. Romans 3 goes on to say, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be, to be received by faith. Now this path of restoration had to begin very early on because Adam and Eve began the rebellion at the start of the Bible. So God chose a certain group of people to be his. And through these people, he raised up prophets. They spoke words of wisdom. He gave them commandments and laws to follow. Now, these commandments and laws were not designed to limit their freedom, but, protect, but to protect them from evil and outside influences. Now, among the rules were things that other nations were doing. But the Canaanites, they were, the God's chosen people, they were forbidden to practice them. There are things like divination, sorcery, magic, astrology, and so on. Now, the reason these particular practices are banned because they involve the guidance and power of spiritual beings that have not submitted themselves to the authority of God. And those who practice these things eventually end up being harmed by them. The best the people in the Old Testament could do was to limit their exposure and do away with those who practice these things. Yet, even then, they were not always successful. And there were times when they failed. And the people and the nation found themselves broken in their relationship with God. And things went badly for them in, in those days, or, or years in some cases, even generations at times. So then we enter Jesus into the story. And the, the birth, the life, the ministry, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the culmination of God's plan in his assault against the devil. And it is an assault that continues even today and will continue until the Lord returns. Through Jesus first, and then through the gift of the Holy Spirit, 
God's power is more readily available to all of us. Satan is pushed back. Souls are reclaimed in God's name, and we have a path to God's victory. Now, sin is the most devastating tool that the devil has at his disposal. He knows our sin, and he knows it separates us from God. And so he uses this power, this knowledge, fully and widely. Sin leads to death, both physical and spiritual death. Now, on the cross, Jesus destroys the weapon that the devil has at his disposal. Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world so that those who follow the Lord will not die, but gain eternal life with God. Thank you. Now, Paul writes in Romans 6, 23, he says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there are a number of things that the church does that happens when the church devotes itself to the work of God in their midst. There are a number of things that happens when the church devotes itself to the work of God in its midst. And those things include souls being one for God, deliverance from evil, and disease is cured. Disease can be the byproduct, either directly or indirectly, of humanity's rebellion against God. We have soiled God's beautiful creation. So devote ourselves to God's plan, God's work in the world, and disease becomes less of an issue because resistance towards sin and temptation is reduced. So let's revisit that question once again. If God is so powerful and so loving, then why doesn't God simply remove evil influences from this world? The answer is simple, though hard to receive. It's because God gave us free will. And we abuse this privilege. As long as we have free will, we will continue to fall short and people will continue to suffer. For God to remove free will, it removes a significant freedom in our lives. If we no longer have free will, it means we'll essentially become puppets in God's play. We'll be like robots. We'll be unable to think or do anything for ourselves. We can only do and think what our master tells us to do. So what kind of life would that be? Is that the kind of life you'd want? Of course not. God wants us to be free. God wants us to be creative. And we can only do that if we have free will. But it also means we have to be willing to sacrifice some things in order to do what God wants most from us, which is a relationship with him. If I don't give my kids freedom to choose what they want to do in their lives, what kind of life is that for them? I want my kids to explore. I want them to, uh, I want them to uh, experience things. I want them to learn. I want them to grow. I want them to discover for themselves who they are and how they fit into God's wonderful world. I don't want to dictate their lives. I don't want them to feel like they don't have any choices. I don't want them to grow up resenting me as a father. If that's how I want my children to live with freedom then how different would God treat us as our Heavenly Father? If I want that much for my children, how much more does God want for us as His children? And yes, there will be times when my kids make decisions I don't approve of, but I still love them. I still want the best for them. 
I still want to help them learn and grow, but sometimes that means letting them make choices that I know may actually hurt them once in a while. And yes, as children of God, we all make mistakes. We will choose those evil temptations once in a while, which is why Jesus came. It's why Jesus will come again and do away with the evil in this world. Christ's death on the cross has made a way for us to spend eternity with God, with our Father in heaven. And Christ's ongoing work in the world today by the power of the Holy Spirit is how we work to keep the devil at bay. Yet all that we read in our Bible and all that the church has experienced over 2,000 years, people still struggle with understanding the problem and the source of evil in our world. And there are a few reasons why. First, some people believe that the biblical view of Satan and evil is nothing more than first century suspicion and ignorance, as though these ancient people had no idea about science or how the world works. So they made up the story of Satan to make, somehow make sense of it all. We need to be careful with an approach like this. Uh, early on in my ministry, I was working in a seaside village church, a village full of fishermen. And they would tell stories about their times on the water. And there's one old fella. He told a story of how they were out in the sea, out in the Atlantic, and they were told of a weather warning coming. It was going to be really windy and stormy. So the boats started to make their way for shore. And the old fella said, wait a minute. Look at the sky. We've got 36 more hours of good fishing weather left before we need to go back. And they stayed out. And sure enough, 36 hours is when the storm started to move in. He was right. Just because the old way of doing things and understanding things isn't as fancy or technological as it is today does not mean they don't get it. They don't understand what they're dealing with, whether that be weather or navigating by the stars or dealing with demons. I have had personal experience in my life with demons. And just because we haven't fully experienced them for ourselves, it does not mean they don't exist. I've never seen a great white shark in person. Does that mean they don't exist? Does that do I, do I then chalk up Lynn and Laura's, not here, but Lynn and Laura's experience in North Sydney last week as a dream? And that images were doctored to make it look real? The early church was very aware of spiritual battles happening in the world around them, far more than we are today. And if Jesus believed in devil and demons and evil, then we best believe it as well, because who would know better than him? Now, another reason we struggle with our belief in the devil and evil is because in the past we have swung to the opposite extreme. Instead of denying their experience, there have been periods in history where it seemed like everything we don't understand is evil and from the devil and must be put to death. An example of that would be the, the Salem witch trials, where a group, group of people swung from not believing to, to the complete opposite, where they sought to kill those who held different religious views than what the leaders held. It's not healthy to go from one extreme to the other. Another struggle that we have is if we believe in this evil tempter to encourage us to make poor decisions, it means we need to acknowledge that we do not have complete control of our lives. We don't like that. So we, again, we choose to deny the existence of things we don't like. 
And the final struggle that I'll mention today is that we've been taught to reject solid biblical teaching in order to be nice. We struggle because the call to, re- the, 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 to call people to repent of sin, to call them to return, to turn from evil and accept Jesus as Lord is asking too much from people and will likely mean we need to exclude some people. But, again, we have free will. People have the freedom to choose otherwise. And regardless, we are called to love our neighbors as God loves us. We're not excluding them. They're choosing to exclude themselves. We are ready to include them. I truly believe we're ready to include them, to love them and help them grow in their relationship with God. It's us. We make the choice to walk away from God. You know that cute little saving? The devil made me do it? Well, it's convenient, but it's not true. The devil may tempt us, but it's our free will, our deliberate choice as to who we follow. The devil cannot force us. He cannot compel us to choose poorly. We do that on our own. And that's the most effective way the devil throws us off. He tempts us. Adam and Eve experienced it. Jesus experienced it. And we experience it as well. So why does God allow it? If it's such a major problem, why does God allow it? Well, for one, it preserves our free will. We get to make our own choices. It also reveals our weaknesses. It helps us identify where we need to grow with God's help. And it also strengthens us. There's times when we are able to overcome temptation, we become better able to handle temptation in the future. Now, there are many other ways in which the devil does his work and restricts our ability to to relate to God. And we won't get into that today because we do have lunch and you might all start falling asleep. So we won't get into those. But rest assured, though, that the devil is a significant reason why we're unable to relate to God, to have our prayers heard, and to have healing in our lives. And there are other reasons. And some of those are the the new age beliefs that are growing in popularity today. Things that are outside of scripture, but also things that can be of evil origin. These new age beliefs impact our ability to heal and receive healing because they also disconnect us from God. Some of these are outright strange when you look at them from a biblical point of view. And there are others that are less obvious and we need to be careful of them. One of the things we need to be careful of is praying in such a way to coerce God. Yes, Jesus told us to be persistent in our prayer, but to be persistent in such a way that God speaks to us and changes us, not so much that we are trying to bend God to our will. We are told we're to have faith when we pray. In James 4.3, it says, when you ask, you do not receive because you're asking with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Sometimes you hear people say, I'm going to manifest it to happen, to get what they want. It's the same thing, really. Whether we put it into prayers or we just say these words otherwise to get what we want, it's not always what God wants. These New Age techniques are are a problem because they're not from God. They're actually not even that new. Many of them have been around for centuries. 
And there are a number of reasons why people are vulnerable to such things, because they package them differently now. It's clear that there's an incredible spiritual hunger out there. So people are looking high and low for spiritual experiences. And these New Age movements have packaged themselves in such a way that they reach these people fairly well. And they're successful because there's no commitment involved. You simply show up, you receive, and you go on. The church has much more to offer, in my opinion, but people struggle with the commitment part, particularly the commitment to give their lives to Jesus Christ. Another reason people fall for these New Age techniques is simply laziness. Many Christians have not engaged in proper, proper study of the Bible, and they're not praying regularly, so they fall for what appears to be quasi-religious offerings that sound spiritual, they sound good, and they don't notice they're not from God. We have to be careful. Even Satan himself will try to appear as a good thing in order to draw us apart from God. That's part of his temptation. Make us believe something is good in order to allow it into our lives, but at the same time we're allowing evil to enter. We must seek this kind, we must resist this kind of temptation, which means we try to turn to God in all circumstances. We must seek his wisdom. We must test things against God's word as found in the Bible, and we must pray and ask God daily for help. Sin, temptation, these new age movements, these are obstacles and tools that the devil can use to seduce us, to fall for his attempts to turn us away from God. We can defeat it. We can overcome our weakness by immersing ourselves in the truth of God, by studying our Bible, by praying, by listening to God, and asking God to guide us day by day in our lives. Yesterday morning, I stood right here and spoke to a family and a room full of people in deep mourning for a young man who died in a violent act. They were in deep pain. This family has experienced plenty of pain and loss in the last 10 years. But even then, they still came to the church. They came to us for help and saying goodbye. They came to the church seeking closure and comfort. There are many other places they could have gone. But they came to the church. They came to the church because the church offers hope beyond this life. And that God will bring us through all things. This is the work of the church. Walking with the broken. Walking with the lost. Walking in the light of Christ. Which shines brighter than all other options in this world. Now next week we're going to look at the ways in which we can experience healing in the church as we continue to celebrate the greatness of God in our church, in this building for 116 years, in this community for over 200 years, and in the future that is still to come for us, God's faithful people. Amen. Let us sing together the church's one foundation.
Let us join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of this church in our lives and in our community. We thank you, Lord, for the saints who built this place and for us who continue this work of building and taking care of the structure, but also of the souls of those who enter this place. Lord, may you continue to bless this church as we look forward to the years that are to come, that as we undergo changes, as we undergo uh, renovations, God, as we change things up a bit, we just ask your blessing to guide us, to show us the way to do ministry and to reach out to those in need. Lord, your love is not just for us. It is for everyone in this, uh, it's for just simply for everyone. Those in Sydney Mines and North Sydney and the North Side. Lord, your love is for all. And Lord, we lift to you the prayers of our hearts today for those we love, for those who mourn, for those who are in hospital, for those who are sick. Lord, for those who are just simply in need of help or comfort or food, Lord, we pray. Lord, we see the community that is around us. We see the need. And Lord, may you guide us to respond as we celebrate your work in the history of this church, but also in the work that you are doing today and the work you will do even more tomorrow. Lord, give us hearts to follow you, to be bold in our faith, to be bold in our service as we serve in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Now today we're going to do something we haven't done in a while. We're going to take up an offering. <laughs> so some of you already put your money in the box. That's quite all right. We're adjusting back to it. So now let us just give with joyful hearts the gifts that God has given to us. May we share back to the work that he does in this world. The offering will now be received. Let us pray. Lord, we humbly present our offerings to you this day. May you bless it and magnify it for your glory. Amen. Our closing hymn today is Joyful, Joyful, We Adore You.
My friends, we belong to God. We are part of this church. We are part of the history of this town. But we are God's chosen people. We are his family. To go and love and serve our neighbors as he loves and serves us. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.